the anchor of the soul. And uh, I'll just say this, this week, as I was just really just praying in uh, just sort of a moment of revelation, the Lord just began to speak to my heart about the issue of hope. And uh, it's something I've studied a little bit. I think I've preached on it a, a little bit. But uh, it's something that I was instantly convicted about when the Lord began to speak to me this week because I realized that this word hope, the biblical term and then the word hope, that it's, uh, in, it, it has in my heart, it's kind of lost some of the energy that I think the, the, the Lord wants it to have. You know, one of the things we have to fight about, uh, fight over in the church is uh, not allowing biblical truths to become trite, to become cliche. Uh, when you look at a word in the scripture, especially one like hope, it should evoke a response because it's speaking of the very nature and the knowledge of God. He's called the God of hope. The God of hope. And if he's the God of hope, then hope should impact us on a daily basis. And uh, we're familiar with the the verse in 1 Corinthians 13, now by these three, faith, hope, and love, and the greatest of these is is love. But you know what we tend to do is we go, so now let's talk about love. And we go, because the other two are kind of, (laughs) because the greatest one's love, so let's talk about love. But here's the thing. He actually names three sort of the power triplets Love is the, the main one, but faith and hope are right there with it. And if we don't give attention to hope, I think we're missing a huge, a significant uh, truth and a sustainer, an anchor to our soul, uh, the hope that God wants believers to have. You know, sometimes we kind of get this picture of sort of the, the challenges in the world, the difficulties in society, you know, you, you have ISIS, you have, you know, immorality, you have financial woes, you have, you know, political difficulties, and you kind of think, you know, and you, we know the end of the age is upon us, and, uh, and we know that the world is, is spinning out of control. The world is, is uh, you know, going headlong into sin, and, uh, and so sometimes we can kind of get our mentality like, well, everything's just going to get bad. There's going to be tribulation, there's going to be trials, there's going to be persecution. It's sort of like the bride is sort of just hanging on by a thread, and then Jesus sort of comes and rescues us. Well, guess what? He is coming to rescue us, but he's coming to rescue a bride filled with hope, the blessed hope of his glorious appearing, and no matter what the bride goes through, she will be bright with hope on the inside. And beloved, we have got to allow this word hope to, to get a, go under a, undergo a renovation inside of us and for it to mean something to us again. And uh, this is, for me, I'll just be honest, uh, as I was just, just reading verses and just recognizing, man, I'll just pass over a verse about hope and it just kind of is just one of those words that's just sort of cliche hope, you know, it's just sort of shallow, you know, you think that, that person with a lot of hope, they're kind of that, that person's uninformed, they're kind of dull, they're just kind of happy all the time just because they're always happy. You know, the world could be blowing up around them and they're just sort of whatever, shallow and do do you know, and 
And that's not what hope is at all. Man, I realized that word was an empty word for me. I go, Lord, forgive me. And so I literally, I just, I got convicted by the Holy Spirit and uh, realized I had to repent in this area. And so um, I'm really just going to do uh, public confession and therapy for the next 45 minutes. And, uh, and if this applies to you, good for you. No, but this is real. This is where I'm living at right now. So uh, I'm just going to hand it to you and see if the Lord will, will also breathe on it for you. And uh, I, here's my goal. My goal is that we would be a people so full of hope, so alive in hope that our soul would be so lifted in hope. We'd just be alive with hope, not shallow. I'm talking about the, the heavenly power of hope that anchors the soul. When, when the world is rocking to and fro, when, it, when so many things are happening, I want my soul anchored in hope. And it will be if we will allow hope to have a work in us. So that's what we're going to talk about, hope. All right, let's look at the outline here. Start off with the familiar first. Now, faith is the substance of things hoped for. It goes on and says, and the evidence of things not seen. Faith is the substance of things hoped for. This is a critical, critical truth. It means this, that the chief uh, component or chief ingredient of faith is hope, which means this, if you don't have hope, you can't have faith. If If you're not filled with hope, you won't have any substance, anything to give substance to. And the way this thing works is this, I, you know, we're not to pit hope and faith against one another. They're, they're two sides of the same coin. It's kind of like this. Hope is this expectation, this, this holy optimism, this heavenly expectation that we believe that God will do what he said he will do. We believe that his word is true. We believe that he's faithful. We believe if we're attached to the God of hope, no matter the circumstance, we have something to be hopeful about, no matter the circumstance. And so we have hope that fills us, and then faith is the specific application of that hope. In other words, I'm expecting God to to move because he's faithful. He who promised is faithful. Now, I look at this specific issue. Maybe it's healing. Maybe it's finance. Maybe it's you need a deliverance. You need God to move in some specific way. And then what you do is you say, and I believe God will move in this way according to the word. And you apply faith now on that specific area. You hope, which is expectation and optimism, and faith. Faith is the substance of it in a specific targeted way. If you don't have hope, you can't have faith. And what I started realizing about my own heart is this. Because of challenges, trials, difficulties, all of a sudden I realized, you know, you just get into a religious rut. You just start saying the the right words, you know, you start praying the prayers, but there's no expectation on it. I want, I want to expect. I want to live optimistically. I don't want to be, you know, down in the mouth and, 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 and always fixated on the problem. 
I want to be looking to the one who's the author and the finisher of my faith. I want to see him as he is, highly exalted, the most high God. I want to see the glory coming off of the face of Jesus, see his, his absolute transcendence, his preeminence. He's far above everything else. I want to look at him, look at the challenges, and assess it rightly so I'll actually have real hope. Instead of this shallow sort of, you know, thing where you just kind of, you want to think positive. No, no, no. If I, really, if I really compare God to whatever the issue is, I can't help but have hope. I can't help but have a holy optimism, a heavenly optimism, a holy expectation. That's what we're talking about here. We're talking about a real spiritual power on your soul. A real spiritual power, the power of hope. It's the expectation that our good God is and will show himself strong on our behalf. I'm serious. Too often we've just been, we've been thinking that these are like shallow thoughts. No, I want to live expecting. You know, somebody goes, well, you're kind of idealistic, aren't you, brother? And I hope I am until the day I die. Because I want to live on the edge of my seat expecting God to do God stuff. I want to I believe. I want to believe. All things are really actually possible to them that believe. But if you won't get into hope, if you won't be in expectation, you can't even qualify for that verse. Hope is critical for us. It's critical, and, and so it has to be uh, something we, we decide to choose. And this is where I'm at. I realize that because of trials, challenges, difficulties, the rigors of what we do in the house of prayer, just, just all the difficulties you can face in life and, and ministry and family, just stuff, you know, I realize that instead of choosing to hope, just getting my eyes on the circumstances a little bit. Just seeing the way things are in the world, just getting bummed out about how perversion is, is you know, running rampant or, or just getting upset with how things are on the political horizon or getting upset and, and, and a little negative about you know, what we're seeing with the persecution that's happening to believers. Listen, even in light of the persecution of believers across the nations, even in light of perversion that, that's cresting in the society, we, we don't have the option to not hope. We must hope in light of all of it. And I, I just realized in my, own, in my own heart, these challenges, just getting my eyes on the challenges and not my eyes on the Lord, on the one who delivers, man, it was causing me to just sort of spiral in a little, in a little bit of a way, just kind of be negative, a little bit down in the mouth, down in my belief. And then when it comes time to pray, of course, you, you pray, you know, you know the right thing to pray, so you're going to pray the right thing. Nobody's going to get up on the prayer mic and pray something crazy. Well, you might pray crazy, but you're not going to pray doubt and unbelief, hopefully. But the point becomes this. You know the right things to say, so you say the right things, but man, is that thing really engaged in your heart? Is it real on the inside? So man, I, I, I'm just feeling like, man, we need, in our community, in the prayer movement, we need an injection of hope. I'm not talking about being silly or frivolous. I'm talking about hope. Hope that enables us and gives substance to something so we can have faith and believe God. 
That's where, we're, that's where I'm at right now. I want to be so filled with hope. I said this. Uh, so hope is the, the belief God will do what he said. Faith is a specific application of it. Now here's what's weird. C, under one. The weirdest thing to me is this. This word hope has undergone incredible violence. And it's really unfortunate, but the way that the, the modern usages of this word, it actually uh, often conveys a lack of expectation. Somebody goes, so uh, do, do you think it's going to happen? And the person goes, man, I don't know. Maybe not, man, I hope so. It basically just said, I don't think so. But used hope. Used hope as the, the way to say, I don't think it's going to happen. It's really odd. We go, man, it's like our last hope. Which is really, when you're down there and you're going, it's our last hope, it's like you've just given up. You've really, you don't have hope anymore. And what's odd is that we actually use the term that's supposed to fortify us and enable us in faith, and it's this term that's actually become a statement of unbelief. Isn't that bizarre? And then, even if it's used properly, what hope is in sort of a modern usage, it's sort of this wishy-washy, you know, kind of optimistic, uh, unsurety, like maybe it'll happen, I, I hope so. Biblically, that's never been what this word was about. This word was always about, Old and New Testament, Hebrew and Greek, the word was always about expectation. I'm expecting it. I'm expecting God. Hope in God, he will yet be the help of your countenance. Hope in God. Whoever hopes in God will never be put to shame. Whoever expects God, to be God, they're never put to shame. Beloved, that's huge. That's huge. And here's our challenge. Our challenge is this, that we pound away, we, 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 we pray, we believe, and what happens at times is you've believed for a while and, and you know, the hope didn't, what you hoped would happen, it didn't happen. And so... Intercession breaks out <laughs> or something. Woo. That one was catching me in the back of the head like an arrow. Uh, praise God. That dude's in groans. Um, and we're believing, we're hoping, and then after a while we get, we get tired and we, we give it up. And then what tends to happen is we uh, allow our lack and our barrenness to become the definer of our faith and the definer of our theology. Well, I hoped it would happen, and it didn't happen, and thus, you know, I'm not really hoping anymore. And then what we do is we'll grab a verse like, hope deferred makes the heart sick. And we go, you know, that's just what the Bible says, hope deferred, my hope's deferred, my heart's sick. And we sound so spiritual with it. You know what deferred hope is? It's not hope delayed. Deferred hope is hope given up. It's hope lost. It's hope thrown away. You know, somebody goes, well, I'm just, hope, I'm just heart sick because my hope's been deferred. Well, it couldn't have gotten deferred if you had held on to hope. Are you tracking with me? It's difficult. See, 
Hope is what enables us to persevere. There's a, there's a dynamic relationship between hope and perseverance. When we quit hoping, we will not persevere. And here's the key, man. The church needs the power of hope. Oh, right now, and as we get closer to the end of the age, if we don't have the power of hope, we will not persevere. And Jesus is looking for a bride filled with hope. Though she goes through trials, though she goes through challenges, though she goes through persecutions, that she would be so hopeful in the God of hope. She'd be waiting with expectation of the deliverance of our God. All right, so here's the thing. Roman numeral two. Hope, you know, I've just been one that kind of thought hope was shallow. But hope is not shallow. Hope is secure. I just kind of thought it was like, you know, one of those kind of, you know, Christian psychological words just sort of make, try to make people happy all the time. But it's not. The, the Bible is so full of verses on hope. It, it's a spiritual force that we're supposed to engage with. And so uh, this, this mentality that, that hope is shallow, uh, a lot of times the reason why we think it is is because we think it's just a matter of somebody, well, they're immature, they're unseasoned, they haven't been through much, you know, they, they just kind of don't really know. And you just kind of think, well, they're just kind of immature, so they're always hopeful. Wait till they go through a few things. Wait till they go through a few bumps and bruises. Wait till they go through a couple difficult times. Then we'll see how, how light and fluffy and hopeful they are. Beloved, it ought not be that way. Instead of thinking about the the person as shallow who hopes, let me just give you a different picture. Imagine there's a challenge or a trial. Let's think about the last several years when there was a recession in our nation. Now, I I know a lot of people's income took a big hit. I know a lot of people's jobs took a hit. Uh, There's challenges on on many levels. And the, the natural thing that most people do is they just talk negatively. Oh, the economy is so bad, and the president, and the jobs, and ain't no money, and the gas price is $5, oh my God. And just, you know, just negative. And somebody comes to you, you know, oh man, it's so gas prices, man, four bucks, five bucks, I can't believe it. And they're like, yeah, I mean, yeah, I can't believe it's so bad. And just get so down in the mouth. Well, what if at that time, you just met a person who just kind of smiled at you? Just kind of look at you and just smile and go, I don't know. I think there's a lot that we can be hopeful about. He goes, oh, shut up, man. Four bucks, a night, four bucks a gallon. You need to stop with that. We would think them to be stupid. But now let's imagine that the person was a 75-year-old man or woman. And after you got done with your negative rant, they kind of just look at you and they smile and they go, I don't know. I think there's much to be hopeful about. At that point, you might go, huh, they know something I don't know. That's what the person filled with hope should be like in the middle of the trial. They should have a lift on the inside because their perspective isn't shallow, it's informed. Their perspective, it's not that they've denied the scenario. It's not that they've you know, acted like things aren't difficult. They've looked at the difficulty, and then they have looked at God. Right. And then they've rightly assessed God 
in light of the circumstance or the circumstance in light of God. And they go, no, there's plenty of reason. There's plenty of reason for us to hope. See, hope is the proper response of having an informed and revelatory perspective. It's the proper response, hope, no matter what's going on. No matter everything is blowing up, hope. No matter how bad it gets in the world, hope. It's the anchor of our soul, the blessed hope. Jesus' return. I'm going to talk about that in a week or two. I just think this thing, man, we have gotten so accustomed just going negative down the mouth. It's got to shift for us. It's got to change for us. I want to challenge us. I want to challenge us to go on like a hope journey, to begin to choose hope in spite of the circumstances, no matter what they may be. Here's the thing. Is there a circumstance that in some way changes the nature of the God of hope. God of hope is his name. He calls himself the God of hope. Is there a circumstance that in some way impacts or or should cause us to imagine he's not the God of hope anymore? No circumstances, no matter how bad it gets, should cause us to throw away hope because we have a relationship with the God of hope. Gang, I want, to, I want this thing to fill me. You know why? Because if you have hope, guess what else you have? Joy. May the God of hope give you all joy and peace. If you're full of hope, guess what else you got? Joy and peace and believing faith. You got it all going on the inside. And then he goes, and that he would direct you in. He calls you to abound in hope. How? By the power of the Holy Spirit. And I want the power of the Holy Spirit to so touch me, to so fill me, that hell can be breaking loose around me, and I have got a buoyancy in my heart. I've got a hopeful expectation and the deliverance and the power of God. He's going to do what he said he would do, and he's working right now on my behalf. I expect him to deliver. Come on. I want to live there. Well, brother, you know, reality I'll tell you reality. Behold a throne set in heaven. One who's seated upon the throne. He's like a Jasper and a Sardius. And from that place of governance, the entire universe moves at every whisper that comes out of his mouth. I'll tell you reality. There's a throne set in heaven that's far exalted above every other throne, every other circumstance, every other situation. Behold a throne set in heaven. That's reality. That's reality. Well, brother, you just don't know. No, I do know. And thus I can hope. Because I do know I can hope. Hope isn't the silly, frivolous sort of happiness of an uninformed perspective. It is the one that's got knowledge and wisdom. It's the perspective that accords with wisdom. And see, that's the interesting thing to me. A lot of times the guy with wisdom, he's all down in the mouth. The guy with wisdom, a lot of times, he's kind of negative. Well, you just hadn't looked at all the circumstances, brother. Well, here's the thing. Wisdom is full 
of knowledge. It's the right application of knowledge. So wisdom should be rooted in the nature and the knowledge of God, right? And wisdom, the, the beginning of wisdom is what? The fear of the Lord, isn't that right? Which that word is really the reverence of God. So if you're full of, 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 of wisdom, you'll be full of reverence and awe of God. And if you're full of reverence and awe for God, you'll assess him and you'll assess every circumstance and you will clearly revere him above the circumstance. You will be filled with hope if you have wisdom. <laughs> Too often, what we parade as wisdom is cynicism, skepticism, negation, unbelief, all these negative kind of things, and we act like it's actually wisdom. It parades as wisdom. Hopelessness often parades as wisdom. No, wisdom should put a knowing smile on your face. It should, because you've got the proper perspective of our God, and the circumstances are so inferior to who he is. I'm not asking you to be silly. I'm not asking you to deny circumstances. I'm asking you to get a real perspective of who he is in light of the challenges. Hope doesn't discount trials. It recognizes the challenges and the trials and assesses that no matter what the trial is, God is willing and God is able to deliver through it. In fact, he will deliver. Look at Psalm 25, 3. No one who hopes in you will ever be put to shame. No one who hopes in you will ever be put to shame. No one who hopes in you will ever be put to shame. I think I'm just going to say it till we believe it. No one who hopes in God will ever be put to shame. Ever. No one who hopes in God will ever be put to shame. Oh, man. I want that to so fill me that no matter what the explosion is going on in front of me, I know there's a God who's going to bring the answer because no one who hopes in him is ever put to shame. That's the Bible. <laughs> Come on. Ligger Roman numeral three. Few enemies of hope. All I'm doing tonight is I'm stirring the pot. I want to stir the pot. I want to get us up and out of cynicism, skepticism, hopelessness, and negation. I want to get us up out of that stuff. I want us to, to, to begin to, de to decide to choose a different perspective. And that hopelessness would be, it would just be a thing not even named among the prayer movement. Not because of frivolity, not because of silliness, because we're informed by revelation. We're informed by the spirit of wisdom and revelation. So we hope. So we really hope. Three enemies, quickly, three enemies of hope. Number one, the fainting, weary spirit. It's an enemy of hope. Here's the thing. You know, in the room, there's a lot of young people. There's some older, older folks in the room, too. Here's what I've found. I found this. You know, I, I've been serving the Lord about 25 years. I've found this style of person is one of the main kinds of Christians that I've met, one of the main kinds of older saints. Let me just explain to you the, the kind of person I'm talking about. They were a person that was on fire for God. In their younger years, they had cool testimonies. They experienced the power of God. 
and they were, they were seeking and pursuing God. And then what happened was, as they were going after God in a certain way or, or believing for a certain something, it didn't happen the way they'd hoped. And all of a sudden, the bump and the bruise and the trial along the way, it caused them to sort of faint. Or they were believing God, and they've been believing God for a long time. And somewhere along the way, they just assessed the time investment, and they just decided it wasn't worth it. Put all this energy, hoping in this, believing in God's deliverance in this way, or, or, or God to do such a thing, and they just go, you know what, it's just, it's just too much. I've been, I've been praying this prayer for 15 years, or 25 years. And what, what I found is you have, you have these saints, man, they love Jesus, They've got incredible testimonies from years gone by, but something happened over time and they got weary and they sort of just kicked it into neutral. They just kicked it into cruise control, you know, just cruising along. Instead of pressing for the thing that God had put in front of them, instead of hoping and expecting because they'd put it out there so much, they just got weary. And they just took it out of gear and they just started coasting. Let me tell you something. You are not made to coast. That is not how God designed the human soul. The human soul is made to be thrilled and fascinated and have experience of grace after grace after grace. The human soul is made to expect. But I've, I've met that, that person that's gone through it for a long time, and so often they just gave up hope. The weary, fainting spirit, it's an enemy of hope. You get tired. It gets difficult. You've prayed the same thing, and it just doesn't seem to be happening. And you just let hope go. Here's the deal. Galatians 6, 9. Let us not grow weary while doing good, for in due season we will reap. We will reap if we don't lose heart. We will reap. Listen, this works for the saint that's been in, in the Lord 60 years, and it works for the one that's been in the Lord six months. If you, this is where we get it. If you don't quit, you will win. That's all, that's all Paul said. He was the one that said it first. If you don't quit, you win. If you don't faint, he's talking about giving up. You will reap. In due season, in due season, I don't know. The Lord's the one that's in, in charge of that. He's the one that's in charge of the seasons. Did you notice that you can't change the seasons? Did you notice you can't change your own season? I'm just, I'm just want to get into a new season. Well, God's got you in the season he wants you in. And he wants to bring about, you know, what he's got in mind for the season you're in. And you're like, well, I've been, I've been in winter. Well, that, that's up to the Lord. He can bring in the spring when he wants. But listen, if you're in winter, you better hang in there. Here's why. I've never seen anybody attain the promise of God by quitting. When you're in a problem, 
I've never seen anybody get the problem answered through quitting. I know that's deep. (laughs) Quitting doesn't get you any further. You hang on. You hang in there. Listen, if if you've stuck it into neutral, you need to get that thing out of neutral. You need to re-engage your hope. Re-engage your hope. The God of hope is the one that we serve. It's the one that we love. It's the one we have covenant with. The God of hope. I'm telling you, he's calling you back into the game to hope. That that weary spirit, when, when people give up hope, oh man, don't give up, you'll win. Secondly, discouragement. It's an enemy of hope. It's a thief of courage. Discouragement, the thief of courage. Discouragement steals courage. D-I-S means without. Discouragement, without courage. I've told this uh, dream before, but it, it bears repeating. It's such a cool dream. There's this guy, and he has this dream, and he goes to hell in the dream, but it's a different version of hell. It's like he's getting shown around the armory of hell. And Lucifer is taking him on a tour. And he's showing all the different, you know, like weapons that the enemy uses to take people out. And he's showing them around. He goes, look at these. These are the chains of lust. We chain them up. We bind them up with that. And man, that just lust, it'll just take them down every time. And these right here, these are the spikes of anger. We put those into them. They just get into a rage. And, uh, and the guy's looking at all these different weapons, and, he, and he, he walks past this room. He sees this room, and it says, no admittance, Lucifer allowed only. And he looks at the devil. He says, well, that room, what's in there? He goes, oh, that's our best weapon. That one, whenever we use it, it works 100% of the time. He goes, huh, could, could I see in there? He goes, it's, our, it's my favorite weapon. Yeah, I'll show it to you. So he opens a door, walks in this room. Everything is dark. There's a light in the middle. There's this little rock. This little rock in the middle. And he goes, that's it? He goes, that's it. He goes, well, what's that? He goes, it's the stone of discouragement. He goes, as soon as we throw that, we steal their courage. And without courage, they quit fighting. And the battle is ours. Hopelessness. And discouragement, they go hand in hand. It's the attack of the enemy to get your eyes on the problem instead of on the God who is, who he said he was, the God who delivers no matter the circumstance and no matter the situation. All those who hope in him, they're never put to shame. Their faces are radiant. We can hope. We have a sure hope. Psalm 42, 5. I love it. I love this one. Why you count downcast, O soul? Uh, Do you ever do that? Do you ever look at yourself in the mirror? (sighs) Sometimes I just look at myself and just get a joy check. Just like, man, you don't look so happy. Sometimes I just say it. I go, why are you downcast? (laughs) Why are you so downcast, soul? Come on, man. Come on. Hope in God. He'll be the help of your countenance. That, that, that language there, it's like multi, multi-tiers. Help of your countenance, where your countenance shows where you're going. He'll help you in your direction. 
your countenance. It speaks of the, the glory on your life. He will help you. He'll release his presence on you with hope. At the very least, it, it speaks of the countenance revealing the heart, the joy that you carry. You know, there's verses that talk about when you hope, it will, it will cause you to, to be happy, to be happy. Too many intercessors, too many prayer people, they're just not happy. They're just always bummed out because, you know, they know all the problems because they, they want to pray for all of them. All these issues, we got to pray for all of them. <laughs> Going to travail for like a month. Let me tell you something. If you're filled with wisdom, and you're filled with the heart of the God of hope, even in the pain, even in the intercession, even in the travail, there's that inner knowing. He's going to deliver. We can have our souls anchored in hope, and it's not frivolous, it's not shallow. I'm telling you, it's not shallow. There's this, there's this, there's this thing I feel like, in, you know, just in the minds that, oh, that hopeful person, they're just kind of, it's not very spiritual. No, no, no. We need the power of hope to enable us to persevere. How will you per- persevere without hope? We must have a hope infusion right now. Lastly, it's this, cynicism. Cynicism, it's just what I've been talking about, that cynical thing where you just, you just won't believe. You, you've just heard it too many times. I already know all this. Whenever I, whenever I start trying to encourage somebody and they go, I already know all that. Give me something new. I don't think they need something new. I think they need light on the old thing so they can begin to believe again. They can begin to hope again. That cynical, negating, skeptical heart, man, it will drown you. It will choke you and drown you. We've got to get that thing gone. We've got to get that cynical thing, that, that smirky, I already know it's not going to happen. Just that negative. We've got to get that out of our heart and our mind and get it out of our mouths. Man, there's, there, there needs to be... A, a, a voice of hope that comes through us. Yes, it's a challenge. Yes, things are difficult. Yes, yes, this is real, but God. But God. And allow hope to arise. To bring us up. To cause us to believe. And I'll just be honest with you. I had to come to grips with this point. Where I'd gotten cynical, critical in my heart, thought I was being wise because I had a few experiences and I already know a few things. The Lord just started resting on me. He said, son, that's sin. You're choosing hopelessness. You're choosing negation. You need to repent of it. And I was like, man, yes, yes. Because I don't want to be that negative guy. I don't want to get to the point where I know so much that I can't even believe anymore. Come on. The last thing we need in a challenge is somebody that's going to pile on with a bunch of negative stuff. That's right. You are going down. 
Think about it. You're in the middle of a difficulty. The last thing you need is a few of Job's friends to show up and go, it is bad. You are cursed. God is going to strike you even more. That's the last thing we need. We need, we need Elihu, the young man, to bring the right knowledge of God to the situation. We need the voice that will speak a word of truth and encouragement, and God thunders behind it. That's what we need. I want to be that guy. I want to be that guy. I want to be the guy that assesses it, realizes it's hard. Man, it's difficult. Man, things are blowing up. But God is real. He is real and he is going to deliver. Let me give you this last verse. It's just on my mind. I just need to give it to you. Psalm 71. This is the guy I want to believe. I love this. Look at this. Psalm 71, verse 13. We have guys trying to kill him. He's He's being hunted down. Let them be confounded and consumed who are, the, who are adversaries of my life. Let them be just covered with reproach and dishonor who seek my hurt. He goes, God, they're coming after me. They're trying to kill me. Verse 14, but I will hope continually. I will hope continually and I'll praise you yet more and more. I will praise you yet more and more. I will hope continually, and I will praise you more. Uh, Do you know that there's murderers trying to kill you? Yes. Thus, I will hope. I won't ever stop hoping, and I will praise God. Do you know that your kingdom's being taken from you? I know. I will hope forever, no matter how bad it gets, and I will praise God forever and ever. Man, there's something about getting to that place, looking at the whole thing, and making the choice. Making the choice, I'm going to hope right now. I'm going to expect God right now. Heavenly optimism. Come on. Heavenly optimism. I want it. I want it to fill me, and I want to be so powerful in faith because I live in expectation of God's power to be released. Amen? Beloved, this is where we need to live. We need to live in this place of hope. Amen. All right, let's stand.